I'm a big fan of just asking really good questions. Like, how do I know that that is true? And, you know, why do I really think that? And like, is this actually empowering me? Because if you're not trying something or not being open to something that has the potential to help you and isn't going to hurt you, what's the harm in trying it? You know, like, why would you not, why would you be closed minded to anything that could help you be a better human, live a better life? Why? Welcome to the Beautifully Broken Podcast, brought to you by AmpCoil. I'm your host, Freddie Kimmel, and on this show, we discuss the common thread survivors share after walking through the fire, the practitioners making a difference, and the treatment modalities that deliver healing back into the hands of the people who need it most. Witness the inspiration we gain by navigating the human experience with grace, humility, and a healthy dose of mistakes. Because part of being human is being beautifully broken. All right, team, welcome to the Beautifully Broken podcast. We are sitting here, a very special treat today, on 7th Avenue in Chelsea in New York City at Hacked Gym. And we are we are honored to sit down with the owner, Pamela Gold. Hey. Pamela, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Oh, the pleasure is going to be that of this audience. I am so excited to pick your brain. Why don't you start us off and tell us about Hacked? So Hacked came into being as a result of my real obsession with physical, mental, and spiritual strength. And of course, it's a gym, it's a fitness center. So we advertise it for the physical strength piece of it. Uh, but once you kind of get in and start going down the rabbit hole, physical strength and mental strength and spiritual strength are inherently all connected. So it was a, a very uh, unexpected path that led me to starting this gym. But it really, um, it just one of those things, it was like being pregnant and the baby was coming. So it was, uh, it was a really fast and furious uh, birth this past, I guess, seven months ago was when we opened. But the main reason it exists is the ARX, which is that big machine over in the corner. And it's mechanical, uh, computerized resistance training that actually adapts to us, which allows us to work harder than we've ever really had the capacity to work before in the safest way possible with us in control each moment. So it's pretty, pretty cool. That's incredible. Now, could, because people can't see the ARX on the podcast, mm. you know, it looks like a big clunky piece of, mm-hmm. of gym equipment. Mm-hmm. And it's also got a large, um, I'm going to say a 26 inch flat screen monitor, which I assume offers uh, a feedback component to the yes. exercise. Yes. Each moment of uh, the work is captured. And so you have a graph that shows you all of your output through the full range of motion for each rep. And then it's saved. So set over set, week over week, month over month, you can track all your data and you're able to uh, just keep leveling up competing with yourself. It's pretty cool. That's amazing. What kind of strength and wellness gains do you see people experience on the ARX? Well, you know, at the end of the day, right, like everything in life, you get what you give. And so for people that are able to really lean in to kind of that vulnerability and trust and and feeling safe and really giving a lot kind of at the highest level of their capacity, I see people's bodies change so much just in two weeks. Um, The muscle mass that can be built quickly with that machine, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. I work out less than 40 minutes a week and I keep leveling up in ways that as a 40 year old mom, I didn't really necessarily think would be in the cards at this point in my life. Yeah, that's incredible. Yes. That's incredible. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to try. I'm really yeah. excited. It you're, looks You're going to do it, my friend. I'm going to do it. So, so the idea behind Hacked, you know, can you speak to the 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 mom Ethos, yeah, who has yeah. a limited amount of time mm-hmm. and you want to get the most result, the most bang for your buck out of your workout. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really about efficiency at the end of the day because our time is precious and regardless of where we are in life, you know, that may ebb and flow. And yes, I, I am a mom. I've got two, two bigger ones now at this point, but becoming a parent definitely puts a lot of stress and strain on, on the amount of time that you have for self-care. And so for a parent, that's, that's a certain, you know, demographic where uh, efficiency is, is key. So 
you know, if you are a mom and you're just struggling to find that little bit of time for yourself, both the ARX and then this bike we have, the Carol, uh, give you the most effective minimum dose possible of both strength and cardio. And that bike gives us the equivalent of a 45 minute jog in under nine minutes. So it's, uh, it's pretty efficient. So there's really no excuse. You can just kind of squeeze that in anytime. And you do that three times a week and studies have shown that's more effective than 150 minutes of like steady state cardio. So it's, it's the real deal. Science is pretty cool. Science is, is beyond cool. And again, you know, kind of scrolling my eyes around the space for people not here, we've got a vibration plate. We've got a live O2, which is a hypoxic oxygen breathing machine. You're basically on a on a spin bike hooked up to I think it's about I think it's about a hundred gallons of oxygen and you're just huffing that pure O2 generated from a an oxygen concentrator. What are some of the other toys we've got? So on the recovery side, we've got something called the Nano V which uh, uses a specific frequency of light as a bioidentical kind of signal to fake out your body and make your body think that you're getting oxidative stress when you're not. So the cells start responding as if they were under attack, which since you're not under attack, literally reverses the aging process. It reverses DNA damage, oxidative stress, free radical damage. Pretty cool. Uh, we've got the Fit 3D scan that gives you a 360 degree picture of your body and your body composition. We use that for good, not evil. Really important for me to point out. <laughs> it helps you. us pinpoint any areas where we may be struggling with self-love and loving our body because that's an integral part of growing is loving where we currently are. And then it shows us how we can track our results and have an objective measure to see whether all these magical, mystical things that I claim work actually do indeed work. Uh, we have a sauna, we have the Juve, uh, which is the photobiomodulation, the near infrared light uh, therapy that on the cellular level increases the amount of ATP we have in our mitochondria and gives you micro oxidative stress that speeds up the repair and recovery process. Um, basically everything that we've got here is about optimization. It's like, how can we optimize our fitness? And I try to educate people that, oh yes, we can increase our fitness level at the detriment of our health level. And so we don't want to do that. We want to be tracking our recovery, uh, which we use like the, you know, the aura ring or HRV monitor. That's the best way we can tell whether or not we're overtraining and, and overstressing our body. So we'd like to take a really holistic approach here and optimize both the workout part, the breakdown of our body, and then the recovery rebuild of the body. And it's all about that efficiency and optimization and health. Yeah. Can you tell the audience at home just a little bit about the Aura Ring in case they're not familiar? Because it's pretty cool. Yeah. So the Aura Ring is one of my favorite um, wearable devices. I think they do a really good job crystallizing some important information that we can really use to improve our health. So it tracks your sleep. It tells you how much REM, how much deep sleep you get, how much total sleep you get. Uh, it tells you what your resting heart rate is while you sleep and how long it takes to get to its resting level, which is a really important recovery recovery marker as well. It measures the HRV, which is that heart rate variability, which I mentioned before is kind of the best way we have to figure out how stressed we really are. And a lot of people, you know, it's something that's new to a lot of people. So the HRV, we actually want a high HRV because when we are calm in homeostasis or coherence, there's actually a really big differentiation between kind of the rate that our heart is beating at. When we're stressed, it's much more like a drum. Mm. And so we want to see this kind of calm wave, which is the heart rate variability. But that's something that most of us don't even track or know. And then once you're tracking it, you know, knowledge is power. Then you can start to tweak what you can do to improve it pretty cool. Yeah, I remember the first time I heard HRV and I it took me a while to grasp mm. why the heart rate, the time between beats would be different when we were in a relaxed state. Mm. And but you think when you just did that, you got the military the bun dun 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 yeah, dun you're dun, like dun on that, it, man. <laughs> well, that heart is pumping trying to get you away from that threat. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm and then it's like, you know, when you're on the calm, you know, waves, there's just this calmness where there is this flow, right? Get trying to get in that flow state. And we can really make magic happen. Yeah. You know what's so cool? And it wasn't until I got in and started talking to your staff. And first of all, for anybody that's going to come to Hacked in New York City, I recommend you get down here. But her staff is so lovely and kind. And they're just, you know, they're heart-centered individuals. And a couple people are performers from the Broadway music theater world, which is some of my background. And we started to chat. 
while, while Pam was um, doing a restorative treatment. And one thing that came up was the idea that as a performer and a dancer and an artist, our feedback a lot of times is a mirror. Mm. And it's, it's that feedback. On, and I remember so many, you know, so many endless hours in the dance studio, you know, you're looking at your body, you're looking at the lines that your arm's making. You're also looking at the shape of your body and you're comparing it to every other person in the room every hour of the class because at the end of the day, we're all struggling and vying for this job, but there's, there's so few of. Yeah, you got to stand out and you got to try to figure out that outside in stuff is really, really tricky. And we always, again, want to use it for good, right? Like how can we use all of that feedback to help us grow, to help us improve, but not let the toxic pieces of it, you know, that I'm not good enough or why not me, it's not fair, any of the victim mentality stuff, how do we not let that in? Almost like have that semi-permeable membrane so we can take the growth, take the opportunity to make us better and rise up, but not let the stuff that weighs us down kind of get in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so important. And the, the ability the ability to do the diagnostic work on all these machines and these cool toys, it really does take fitness to a new level. Yeah. And, and it's, it does because you have the actual quantitative data so you can see objectively. It's not subjective like, oh, I felt really good today at the gym. I mean, that's great. I hope everybody feels really good at the gym. But we all know we have days where we feel better and days when we feel not as good. Um, and it's hard to stay positive. It's hard to stay productive and constructive with a lot of these activities. But when you have real objective measures, it helps really kind of keep us on that path, staying motivated, staying accountable, and making sure that we're getting the results we hoped that we'd be getting. And I'm like a scientist at heart. So everybody that comes in here, they're like, well, what results am I going to get? And I'm like, well, that's an excellent question. I'm like, I'm a scientist. I have hypotheses and we're going to do this six week program. And this is what we expect, but obviously nothing is happening in a vacuum. The more information you have at the end of the six week program, we'll be able to see what results we specifically got from a strength perspective, from a cardiovascular perspective, and then from a body change perspective. And we can see in black and white how, how much work we actually did. And so there's a lot more information that we have that you wouldn't have specifically in a different training program. And then that helps you tweak the other factors. So we talk about stress, we talk about sleep, of course, we talk about food. Um, but these are all things that, you know, the more information, real information we have, the more we can start to tweak and get better results, find answers that otherwise would have been hidden in a cloud of just so much unknown. Yeah. No, it, it really, it really makes your brain spin. So there's a couple avenues that I want to go with this. And one is, um, so people come in here and, and they obviously, it's not about trying something once. It's about giving it a little bit of a run, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially with the ARX, because the ARX allows us to work really, really hard, especially on the eccentric, which is the lowering mm -hmm. phase. And we're about three times as strong when we're lowering weight as opposed to when we're lifting it. But most of us have never done eccentric training. So our body, our brain never had to lower that much weight. So we literally have to learn how to do it, even though our muscles are technically strong enough, that doesn't mean that our brain knows how to make them fire and do it. It also <laughs> means that we have to figure out how to get that comfortable being uncomfortable. Because just because your body can lower 2,000 pounds doesn't mean that your mind is going to allow you to do it when it's that scary and uncomfortable. And so it becomes this opportunity both from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint for us to learn how to do it. And mental strength is a big piece of that puzzle, but everybody's different in terms of how long it takes for them to learn it. So in the beginning, we want people to try the ARX twice a week so we can learn how to do it. Eventually, once you're really operating at that high level, and we can tell because the data is all there, like I know what the expected curve is. I know what the expected ratio between the concentric and the eccentric is. I can tell by how kind of smooth the lines are, how the mental strength piece of it is. I don't always tell people that because I don't want them to be self-conscious, but I can tell a lot about someone by their ARX graph, right? And so in the beginning, we try to do it twice a week, but eventually most people only need to do it once a week. Mm. And yes, consistency is key, but every six weeks or so, we have to deload. You got to take some time off. So it's a natural ebb and flow. And even like I went on a two-week vacation two weeks ago now, so I was gone for two weeks. I came back stronger than ever. 
So it's you know, kind of embracing this process, yes, consistency, but also this kind of consistent inconsistency. So we keep our body guessing and plateauing. So there's a lot of things at work, but because you have all of the data, you're able to hold yourself accountable and really kind of monitor the results in a way that you don't normally have access to. Yeah, it's this perfect, it's really, it really is a biofeedback loop, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a really, really powerful, powerful tool. You know, so if, if people were going to come in, do you, do you typically recommend that people try a couple months of the, of the, um, of a membership in a gym or do they, is it service by service? Yeah. So what we do when someone comes in, there's like a demo that, you know, is, is very reasonably priced so people can come in and try things, but then we recommend a six week program because if you do something for six weeks, we should be able to get a lot of information from those six weeks, no matter what you will get a tremendous amount of results from doing this, even if you end up not liking it, (laughs) you're like, Pam, you seem nice, but I really don't like it. No problem. Like you, you know, but try it. Right. And oftentimes too, in the beginning, we have a lot of first impressions and judgments that have to do with fear, right. When you're doing something new. So you make the six week commitment. And then at the end of the six weeks, you're able to assess. And so we really do encourage people to make that six week commitment. And then eventually we do offer memberships, but for me, I mean, this, all the stuff that's in this place is brand new. So for me, it would make sense that you want to like give it a test run. And I think six weeks is a reasonable kind of amount of time to really get a sense of whether something feels right, whether you feel good about it, whether you like us and it feels like a place where you feel at home, you know, but then after the six weeks, we do offer memberships and, and offer all of that fun stuff. Yeah. What are some of the varying degrees of um, levels of health that you see here in the gym? Oh, it's it's one of the things that I'm so I'm proud. I mean, I'm really, really proud and happy that um, people in a wide, wide range of fitness levels feel very comfortable here. So we have elite level athletes that come in here that are just, I mean, it's humbling the level of strength and focus and performance that some of our people um, bring. And it's inspiring, right? And we have people that are extremely obese and struggle with their health on a lot of different levels that come here and feel cared for here and feel safe here and feel supported here. And the cool thing about all this equipment is it meets you wherever you are. So regardless if you're an elite level athlete or if you're someone that maybe is rehabbing an injury or coming off an illness or just has been kind of chronically unhealthy for a long time, the equipment will meet you right where you are and give you the opportunity to get comfortable, reconnect and level up at whatever pace feels good for you. It's yeah. beautiful. I want to go back to something you said about three minutes ago. You said, you said, put down 2000 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Is, tell me where that, that situation exists on one of these machines. So when I do a belt squat, which um, basically you put a belt around your waist and then there's a cable that's pulling you down the lowering phase. So when it's pulling me down and I'm resisting, trying to hold it up, I can lower about 2,000 pounds. Wow. And then I can only press up about 800 pounds. And so that's the differentiation. And because this machine gives you that eccentric uh, capacity, my muscles get that amount of time under tension and that opportunity to have all the micro tears on that eccentric phase when the muscles are lengthening and working, we get more of those micro tears that build muscle. That's one of the reasons why this machine is so effective at building muscle and building strength. And then of course, you're going to get really, really tired really fast. If each moment you're at max capacity, suppose that first rep, I can lower 2000 pounds for like a second or two, and then that drops. And then I can lift like 800 for a second or two, and then that drops. And then that second rep, maybe I can only lower 1600 pounds and so on. And no, you're so tired so fast because literally within like a minute and a half, I'll move 10,000 pounds of weight in a minute and a half. And it's like, well, of course you're tired. You know, your heart's pounding. You're exhausted in a way that you've never been exhausted before, but you're the one creating all of the work. So I would never in a million trillion years actually lower 2000 pounds because I would get injured. I could actually be killed. But since I'm the one creating that resistance by working against the computerized mechanical resistance, 
I'm able to do that work in a safe way. And as I get fatigued, I'm just doing less work because I'm creating less resistance. Mm -hmm. It's very backwards from any other kind of strength training. And so it's kind of like I use the same analogy that I use with meditation. When someone asks, what's it like to meditate? It's like, what's it like to, when you taste a strawberry? How's a strawberry taste? Until you taste the strawberry, if someone tells you it's tart, sweet, a little bit of a pop, until you taste that strawberry, it's like really hard to imagine. It's kind of like that with the ARX. Until you feel it, it's really hard to imagine that you're the one creating the resistance. And you can stop or, or pull off, pull back anytime. And that's why it's so safe. Yeah, it's so, it's, it's amazing the way you, it's, it's hard to wrap your brain around how we've done things in fitness for the last hundred years. Yeah. You know, it's always been work harder and, and push. And one thing from my corner of the ring, you know, being a health coach, I'll often get people, I get a lot of runners yeah, that coach and, and they come in with um, my runners, uh, often a little bit of adrenal fatigue mm -hmm. and you get a little bit of a, a early joint erosion and joint damage from from a myriad of different reasons, whether it's genetics, whether it's the fact that they're running on a road that was made to hold a 2000 pound car and not dirt, but it's, it is, it is tough on the body. Yeah. Well, that's the overtraining. I mean, I, I was a personal trainer for a bunch of years before I went back to work running a company and, and ended up here eventually, but I used to work out four to six hours a day and I loved it. And I didn't realize at all about HRV or, or monitoring my recovery. Um, I didn't realize that if I were overtraining that I'm actually speeding up the aging process. And you know, when you're in your twenties and you're in your thirties, you can get away with that for a little while, but as we know, the body keeps score. So if you keep overtraining in any capacity and really variety is the spice of life, finding kind of the effective minimum dose of whatever forms of exercise, you know, you're trying to use to achieve certain results, right? Like if we think about exercise, it's, it's a decision we're making an activity that we're doing with desired results. So I like to differentiate between exercise and activity, right? Like you may love to go running. It may not be really an exercise. It may be a fun activity because are you running like hill sprints, time trials, or are you just kind of running to enjoy right? Or, you know, are you running for endurance? And is that the best way? Like how often are you supposed to do the long runs? Ideally, do you know what's right for you? Because everybody's different. And so some people train for a marathon and do very, very few long runs. And that's conceivably better as long as their cardiovascular fitness level can sustain that. But research shows that these short you know, high intensity intervals are what build cardiovascular fitness and endurance more than the longer steady state runs. Yeah. Or bikes. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Do you know what happened with the first guy who ever ran a marathon? I don't. He dropped dead at the end. That's, see, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> that's, that's literally. Heart, that's that. It, that was heartbreaking I'm glad for that him. didn't happen for me when I ran my marathon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I, I, I'm always in such admiration of runners because I don't have yeah. that gene in my body. Yeah. I mean, I, I ran a marathon, but that was never my idea of fun. Um, and the only re reason I ran it is because I had a friend who basically, you know, begged me and kind yeah. of guilted me into, into doing it. And it was too good to resist. It was Paris and it was, it was definitely a wonderful experience, but I suffered for months afterwards. And, and that it's like, why, why, why would I do that? And okay, again, if short term, you know, that you want to increase your fitness level at the expense of your health and then, okay, it's going to take three months to recover Okay, if that's if that's what you, you know, are signing up for and you know how to do that safely. Okay, but at this point in my life, I'm all about quality of life. Mm -hmm. And so the choices that I make now for fitness have to do with taking this very balanced approach, being as smart as possible, and really doing as little as possible to be in peak shape because I don't want to overtax my body. I want to stay as young as possible as I age and as healthy as possible. I know. Me too. That's a, that's a big goal. So you have a big recovery component here in the studio. You know, we've got the Nano V, we've got the, um, Normatec, we've got Russo, the Normatec, which are compression boots. Yep. And, um, and that's such a big part of it. Um, do you get people coming in from the city that just want to, just want to reset? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think, it's definitely the tide is turning where we're starting to realize that 
recovery or any kind of the self-care, right? That's, that's more relaxation focused. It's not being lazy, right? And that's a lot of us have that narrative, that, that underlying core belief, whether we're aware of it or not. And just next time notice, do you feel that kind of pang of guilt um, or not good enoughness that, that sometimes happens if you say you're going to take a day off from your exercise routine and, and take it easy and maybe go get a massage or do Norma Tech recovery boots or try something new on the restoration side. And, you know, does that feel like you're, you're not doing something right? And a lot of us have all of that kind of built in from when we were young and trying to be overachievers that we always need to be pushing 150% or, you know, we're not good enough or we're not safe. Someone else is going to beat us to whatever goal it is. You know, there's a lot of that even subconscious just built in that rooted out because that's not a service. But I definitely feel like um, over the last couple years, there's more... Um, studios that are popping up, like recover is just up the street. Those guys are awesome. They have a beautiful space where they have a lot of the recovery stuff. You know, there's more people stretch studios. And so I think that there is, um, this awakening around self-care and that it's not indulgent, that it's a core part of our health. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that element. You know, it's, it's one, one thing that comes to mind is I just want to, I want to just pick your brain a little bit you know, what was your, what was your pain to power scenario or your turning moment when you realized there was a better way? I mean, there's so many, right? Like as human beings, we're quite dynamic in, in all the different areas of our life. I have to say my, my biggest kind of as a grown up um, pain to power story was really in my personal life and being married for about seven years and we were struggling in our marriage. And, you know, there were a lot of things that were just not healthy. And, and I knew that I had to focus on my own stuff, right? That I couldn't be blaming others, couldn't be blaming my husband. I had to figure out what was mine, like what was my work to do. And that's when I um, ended up going to yoga school and starting a meditation practice. But there was a, a big kind of period of time where, you know, there was a lot of just, you know, self-loathing and, and self-doubt and and just like, you know, how did I get here and who am I? Like, this is so out of alignment with my values and who I think that I am and want to be. And, you know, to really kind of be in that pain and, and not blame anyone else for it. Right. And I never really was a blamer. I always at least was at the, you know, I'm going to be the hero of my own story um, level, which luckily there's more levels above that one where it's like, not just about me, just, you know, obviously really empowering. Um, but it was, it was that kind of those darkest hours where I really felt like, like I was definitely out of alignment that forced me to start looking at, you know, my, my fear and my pain and my coping mechanisms and meditation became such a huge, huge source of growth and wisdom that ended up unlocking all of this because this hacked only came about not that long ago at a time when it was extremely uh, unexpected. I had just launched a parenting program. I had written a book, launched a parenting program, but it was, it was really through meditation that this felt like a calling that I had to answer. And without meditation, I wouldn't have had that um, access to that kind of deeper source of inspiration and trusting that source of inspiration because literally everybody was like, what are you doing, Pam? Why would you do that? Um, but meditation has been really kind of the, the keystone to so much of the last really five years now of just profound growth. It's like a whole different season, almost like a whole different person, mm -hmm. really. And what's your meditation look like on a daily practice? Yeah. So I really, I got lucky. Um, when I went to yoga teacher training, I studied with someone named Alan Finger at Ishta and his, his meditations are on Spotify. So you can listen to them. So that's what started it. And that's when I started establishing kind of a daily 18 minute, no matter what, I would listen to one of his meditations. And that really kind of set the stage. But about three and a half years ago, I read Autobiography of a Yogi by Yogananda, which is a life-changing book. If, if anyone hasn't read it, you're nodding your head. So I, I know that book. you know it. In that book, uh, he talks about Kriya. And Alan Finger taught me a bunch of Kriyas, but 
I could tell that there was something specific and different that Yogananda was speaking of. And so I found a teacher in New York City who taught me the very simple Kriya techniques in the same lineage that Yogananda, Hari Harinanda, Shri Kishore were part of. And um, there's seven different levels of Kriya practices that become more and more and more subtle. I'm on the second. After one time meditating the first, I was like, oh boy, you know, it was just like a next level. So the meditation specifically has evolved, but there's still a daily, um, at least 20 minute, very simple set of, um, you know, where you focus, how you breathe, mantras that just get more and more subtle that really connect me to a deep source of clarity, wisdom, love, um, bravery. And it has, uh, yeah, it has been pretty game-changing. I know it's easy to get caught up as an entrepreneur of that race and hustle of making this thing fly. Well, it's scary. Being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. Every time you have to pay payroll, pay the rent, it's like, oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, but it's it's those times when, you know, you're, I guess, our programming from everything we've seen and stories and television and our parents that, you know, it's it's time to burn the candle at both ends and not go to bed and, you know, make phone calls. But it's so imperative. Anytime I get in that cycle, if I sit back and I just go sit and I breathe for 10 to 20 minutes, I get answers. Yeah. Isn't it? It's, it's so profound and it becomes so simple if we practice it. Right. And it's a practice like everything else. Like if you learn to play the piano, you don't just sit down and suddenly you can play a concerto. You have to practice and stumble through. But once you get to a certain level of, of ability to be quiet and to be still and to connect with that quieter voice, that quieter knowing, and to be able to discern between, you know, the brain, the mind, the egoic voice, which can be quite loud and quite sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and the subtle quiet knowing it is just, it's such a powerful tool to guide us through, you know, really something that is quite messy. I mean, being human is quite, quite, quite messy, running a business, opening a business. I mean, the mind will continue to have very unhelpful thoughts, like the imposter syndrome thoughts, you know, who am I, or someone better is going to come do it and, and steal everything. I mean, there's like a million thoughts a day that the brain will continue to have. And to be able to tap into the deeper wisdom to know which thoughts are helpful and of service and true and which thoughts are not and to not waste even a single second of energy on those unhelpful thoughts. And like you said, when you aren't clear on an answer that you can ask, and sometimes you have to be patient, doesn't always come right away and, and not knowing and facing not knowing is a beautiful practice and being at peace with having to wait in that space of not knowing in that moment, but just knowing that even in that moment of not knowing the answer will come and to be grateful. And, and, you know, the timing is in God's hands or whatever you believe God to be the seasons of the universe, right? Timing is not something that as humans we can force, but just know that it's on order. Like that analogy, which I'm sure you've used when you go to a restaurant and you place an order you don't like sit there at the table worrying after you place your your order of a salad whether or not that the salad's actually going to make it and whether the salad's going to be made the way that you want it and if it's going to be a good salad. I mean, how neurotic would that be if you People place the order? People do that in New York City. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Um, but it, that's one of my favorite analogies for meditation and, and Zen and, and manifesting that you know, you place the order and you know that it's in the works and it may not come exactly how you, how you ordered it. Like it may come not with the sunflower seeds, but with peanuts or whatever, silly analogy, but you see what I'm saying, but just trust that whatever comes is going to be even better than what you had designed. And in the moment, if you judge it not to be, know that that judgment is out of flow and stay in a place of gratitude, stay in a place of openness and surrender and curiosity and love and allow the unexpected challenge to be the gift that it always is. Mm. Yeah. And is, and is, I know people could hear that and be like, well, that's woo woo. <laughs> you know, it's somewhere off in the ether. 
you can tie this all into quantum mechanics. Oh, yeah. And how every single atom and particle is related to every other one it's ever been in contact with. I mean, the interconnectedness of the universe Mm. is real. Quantum entanglement is real. They can't explain it. So I was a microbiology biochem major mm -hmm. at Yale. I studied science. I was obsessed with science, studied quantum physics. Once you start studying quantum physics, you, you realize that everything that we kind of were relying on as fact and truth and, and the reliable source of expectations, if this, then that, you realize if, if you understand quantum physics at all, that like, oh, no, it's not that simple at all. In fact, funny parenting story, my daughter and I were reading a, um, you know, a, a children's biography on Albert Einstein. I think she was nine at the time. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, I decided to explain quantum physics to her and some of the principles. And my kids are pretty freaking cool. So my daughter immediately understood it. And it was before bedtime. And she jumped up on the bed and she freaked out. She like freaked out. She like, wait, so this isn't really here and I'm time and space. And, and she, and I was like, Ooh, this was not my best parenting move <laughs> to explain quantum physics at bedtime to a nine-year-old. Like the poor kid. I was like, okay, I'm I'm sorry. Come here. We're real. We're here. I'm here. I'm real. You're, you're okay. It's like bad trip. Um, but yeah, but yeah, once you, once you start, even if you, if you study, um, like quantum computers, and quantum code breaking. I don't know if you've seen any documentaries on that. A little bit, yeah. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it demonstrates that by observing something, you instantly are changing its properties. So, well, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> you know, like if you if simply by observing it, you change its qualities, and that's just truth, then that explains a lot of the powers that seem to be woo-woo but actually are not. No, they're not. I remember this, there's this, there's a children's cartoon on YouTube about the quantum observer. Mm. And they basically, they fire a particle through a slit in Mm -hmm. a sheet of metal. And you would think it would go through and make a dot on the Mm -hmm. other side of the wall where the particle went through. But when it goes through the the slit, it turns into a wave Mm -hmm. and it starts, you know, it it makes this big broadcast. Mm -hmm. But then if you stand on the other side of the board and you look at it, then it goes into a different pattern. It's like, it's the behavior of the particle change because we're looking at at it. it, If it's observed or not observed. Oh my goodness. And no one can explain that in quantum entanglement. You can't explain how two electrons that are, are eons away from each other in time and space, instantly if you turn one, the other one will re- rotate. Like you can't, that can't be explained by anything that we really understand in this realm. So that's when I was like, all right, so science isn't going to get me there. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think meditation might be a good, a good thing to, and then to me, I look at meditation as like a spiritual science. So I know that I can do experiments and I can record my observations, how I feel, what I experience. And then there's all this independent verification. Like there's such a consistency once people start going into deep meditation, what people experience. And so I always encourage people just do their own experimentation, you know, document, take notes, observe how you feel after you meditate, observe what you experience. Do you see light? Do you see light sometimes? Do you ever become the light? You know, like, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. weird things happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, I am a scientist at heart. I want verifiable evidence-based results because how can I be of service to other people if I'm not using evidence-based verifiable techniques? Mm-hmm. So everything that I use at Hacked is based in science and evidence-based research. And some of the stuff science can't really explain, then I use my own experience and the experience of, you know, in this case, like the 50 people so far that I've had demo it. Right. And so I, I am taking notes and I'm recording and that's my science. Right. Yeah. And that's because at the end of the day, I do this because I care. Mm-hmm. I want to bring the things that helped me to others. So, I mean, that's, that's the core principle of it all. Oh, that's amazing. You know, the other benefit I know just to speak to meditation again, and, and people will say, well, I tried to meditate and it didn't work for me. <laughs> that was me. me. I was convinced. And I've, I was been there, I've been there too. But there's also, you know, there's, it's, you can look at it a hundred different ways. 
And I like to tell people this story. If you think about, you know, your brain is really what we're operating on is, is now is 95% programs. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you know, we don't need to remember or relearn how to walk down the street. That's right. a program. Yep. We've got lots of programs for how we process emotion and speak mm-hmm. to other human beings. And there's a big part of our subconscious that is running on that programming. Yeah. And the, the two ways which you, you, you touched on, we can practice like the piano. We can practice every single day, practice, 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 but we can also drop our brains into that theta state, that theta state (laughs) where we're allowed to put a new program into the brain and that like your little kid from zero to seven is where they're living in theta. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's what I experience when I meditate. And also when I do PEMF, I drop in Mm. and I feel that I, you know, I say it like an upgrade, like when your phone updates, it's like PAM 1.0, PAM 2.0, PAM 3.0. And those old programs that were buggy and not of service, I can get out and replace with the programming that is in harmony with wisdom and love and bravery. And then I can be more of service. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah. I had a woman say to me the other day on a, on Instagram, I had posted something about pulsed electromagnetic field. And she said, well, listen, I'm a scientist and I'm not sure I buy into all this PEMF stuff. And I said, well, you should know that the earth generates the pulsed electromagnetic frequency from the core, you know, at varying, varying uh, degrees of intensity. And this is something that the human body actually thrives off of. Mm. And then she said, well, why do I need PEMF? I said, well, you don't have to have it, but if you consider, I think the first astronaut that went into space had lost almost, it was like 70% of his muscle mass mm. because he was away from the earth's natural magnetics. And the, and you start to see, well, oh, I'm designed and thrive the way I thrive because I am part of the planet. Yeah, it's all connected. And, you know, I, I was really skeptical about PEMF because again, I was looking at the science and it didn't really make sense um, just from what the, the materials that I had seen. And so for me, that's when I was like, let me just try it. Yeah. Let me experience it for myself and and see how I feel and, and how I felt and the experience that I had with it was what ultimately convinced me. And so, I mean, again, like I, I am a scientist and I do like to be able to connect the dots and and I'm sure we have some differing kind of like what really convinces us or what doesn't, which yeah. is totally fine. Like I'm, I was raised in a very skeptic kind of environment. And so like I, I get skeptics and, and it's, I'm, I'm fine with skeptics. It's all good. What I really like to say to skeptics, because if you're really like really trying with the science, you may just not get there. So I just, just try it. Like just, just try it and see how you feel. Right. Like it's really vital for all of us to stay open and be curious. And for me, I mean, I definitely, my college years are obviously, if I'm like, try it, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, but like, but seriously, like the PMF has, has never been shown to hurt anybody. So just try it and see how you feel and trust yourself and be open to some of this stuff, even though you may not understand the science or you may have learned other things that seem to make you think that it wouldn't be possible. Plenty of people come in here and tell me it's impossible that I could work out for 20 minutes and on that machine and, and be so strong. It'd be, it's impossible that you could work out for 40 minutes and be in such good shape. Oh, you you can only do that because you were already in good shape. I'm like, no, you know, like, no, this is yeah. my body's really different. Let me tell you. Um, but like, that's the thing. We have all of these beliefs. And so I'm a big fan of just asking really good questions. Like, how do I know that that is true and you know why do i really think that and like is this actually empowering me because if you're if you're not trying something or not being open to something that has the potential to help you and isn't going to hurt you what's the harm in trying it you know like why would you not why would you be closed minded to anything that could help you be a better human live a better life why Yeah. And I think that's what the essence of that I love about hacked is that you can, you can upgrade, um, the mind and the spirit and the meat suit. Mm. And then what do you do with all that extra time? Yeah. That's what I'm so passionate about. It's like, you know, the people that come in here are amazing humans and they're overachievers and all these different zones of genius in their bubbles. And like, because they have more time, because they're operating at a higher level of vitality, physical strength, mental strength, and spiritual strength, they can go back out into their lives and do more good. 
And so whether you're a mom or whether you're an author or whether you're running a company, whatever it is that you're doing, you have more life force and more time to go do it, which is really freaking cool. And then a lot of people are like, well, Pam, I just love to work out. I'm like, that's great. Me too. And maybe, you know, soon you'll be inspired to do something else that you really, really love that you're not tied to. And a lot of people Unfortunately, you can use working out as an addiction, right? Because it definitely mentally is really, really great for dopamine, really, really great for serotonin. Like you're going to feel really good when you work out. Yeah. And there's other things in life that can make you feel really good. You can feel really good when you're tapped into your real like life purpose and creative genius. It feels really good to be in the flow doing that even better than using a workout to give you that dopamine hit. Oh, it's it's absolutely incredible. And I know- for me, when I was, um, you know, when I had first moved to New York and you're around so many people yeah, and at the same time, you're so alone mm. because you're in your little separate apartment. And for me, it was easy. I remember myself and I moved here, um, the, the month nine eleven. Uh-huh. Oh, um, yeah. that's, that was the month I chose to come and try to be on Broadway. Wow. So it was, it was, a, it was so heavy. Yeah, oh it my was gosh. so 9/11, heavy, New and York I was nine eleven was just. I was. In, I'm such an empath, yeah, and I didn't know it at that time. Mm. But being yeah. here, I just remember like you know going home at the end of the day and just like laying in the shower and just crying. Yeah, never experiencing those emotions as yeah. a 23 year old guy. Yeah, and but going to the gym. Yeah, like being with the community yeah. and working out. That honestly, that was one of the few times I felt normal. Yeah, or going to go and it was the community that yeah. I that I was longing for. Yeah. 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 I mean, the community, the physical activity, I mean, it really checks a lot of boxes and it's looking, it's way healthier than, than other, many other options that, that humans use to try to feel better. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, oh gosh, moving here on nine 11, I mean, New York city that month, that, that six months, it was uh, a really heavy time to be here. But yeah, I mean, I guess I look, I look at everything about life that, you know, being in the flow, you know, finding what, you know, lights us up, following what sparks joy, trusting the process, right? Like trying to be non-judgmental, which is really hard because our minds are wired to be judgmental, but just kind of like allowing it to flow. And I really feel like I, I wrote a book where there's five kind of key inner strength practices and it's not rocket science, but if you practice gratitude, if you practice courage, if you practice compassion, if you practice surrender, which is the hardest, and you practice openness and curiosity, you'll keep leveling up from the inside out, which will enable you to do more from the outside in because life is going to continue to throw you these challenges, right? And so I mean, one of the things I like to do is, is explain that connection between the inner strength workout, the mental strength workout, and the physical strength workout because all of this goes so hand in hand when it comes to us finding what we want our kind of legacy to be, whether we're, we're still trying to find our life purpose or whether we even maybe believe in that, but like, what is our life all about? Because we all know we're going to die at one point. We're going to, maybe we'll have time to reflect right before, or maybe it'll be really fast, but it's, we're all going to go there. And I visualize that a lot. I think about like, well, if, if this were my last moment, you know, how would I feel? Would I be, would I feel good? You know, saying that this is the legacy I left. And so that's kind of what I encourage everybody to do, <laughs> kind of a somber thing to do at a gym, but, <laughs> but like it all goes hand in hand. And so, I mean, it's, again, I, I don't think you can separate any of this stuff out. And I think I try to give people what they think they need. So a lot of people come in here just cause I can give them a workout really fast, but there's so much more, more to it, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm excited for people to get down here and experience hacked. Thank you. Um, I'm so impressed. This is my first day in. Oh, thank you. It's been so much fun having here. I mean, you've already made a bunch of new friends. It was kind of magical just from the time you walked in. I mean, this is it's a magical place. There's really awesome people that that come in here. I mean, we get some really, really impressive, uber high achieving people that that get what we're doing here and and are pretty psyched that they have access to all this tech that normally, you know, you hear about it on podcasts, you know, you know, billionaires have access to it. You probably have a lot of it in your house. (laughs) I do. I do. I did spill the cookie jar on that. I do have some of these devices in my house. I don't have the ARX, but you know, I have a, I have a good amount of tech that I've used to biohack my body back into peak performance. So, yeah, and you know, it was expensive. And so people are psyched that 
they can come and try it out here because mm. we're the only place in New York City that has a lot of this stuff. We're the only you know gym in New York City that focuses on biohacking, so it's a pretty unique, unique and special spot. Yeah, no, and it it really does. You know, I I I pursue it. I talk about it. I prophesize it because it it works. Yeah. I see it work on people again and again. And the story that I get, um, because I come from the chronic illness background, and mm-hmm. and you know, we we chase you chase feeling better. You yeah. chase wellness, and everybody spent a couple hundred thousand dollars chasing, just trying to feel normal. Yeah. The the trap is to. F- try to get back to before, mm. which as the observer, you know, that it's just never going to feel that yeah. way, but you know, you chase, you chase wellness and then, and then, you know, things start to shift and finally, finally you're going to find your special sauce yeah. and you're going to get there. It's just, I just believe in it. And I believe in this, the community you're creating. Mm. I love that people have access to guys, everything you've heard on Dave Asprey or mm. um, Ben Greenfield um, Joe Rogan podcast. All these cool machines are down here mm-hmm. at Hacked. Mm-hmm. Give us what's your address at Hacked. Sure, we're at two two six Seventh Avenue. So it's Seventh Avenue and Twenty Third Street. Seventh Avenue and Twenty Third Street. Yeah. And so people can come down. Mm-hmm. They can demo some things. Yeah. You guys can try a six week program. Mm-hmm. I would implore everybody to come down when you hear this. Um, mention Beautifully Broken Podcast just because yeah. we want to connect the circle. Yeah, we'll give you ten percent off if you mention it. All right. Yay. We didn't discount. even pl- we didn't even plan that discount. <laughs> no, discount. And we appreciate um, it. You know, just for my own, just think. Oh, uh, you know, and the, here's the other thing, like Pam. So people don't know. Pam's jacked. <laughs> Pam, I Aww, feel no. I'm serious. You. Biceps for days. Mm. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to do a six week program on the ARX and up no. level. Yeah. Well, you know what I have to tell you. I, it, first of all, we want to love our body, and and our body is for us, right? So mm-hmm. like, there's. <laughs> There will never be um, a time, no matter what your body looks like, that there's not going to be critics, that there's not going to be people that are like, you know, critical of how your body looks, right? So you have to love it for you. And and I get like how it looks, the aesthetic is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, even more important than how I look is how I feel. And feeling strong, knowing that I can take something on, right? And And I have that strength, that physical strength to handle stuff. Like that is an awesome feeling. It's mm. like, yeah, it's nice to put on jeans and heels or dress or whatever and, and, you know, look good and be shapely and all that fun stuff. But even more important is how it feels to be strong and to really be in your body and trust your body and love your body and know that your body is thriving. Really good feeling. Yeah. No, my goal is to be able to grocery shop till I'm 90. Yes. That's a solid goal. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah. So I know we're going to do this again because yeah. you have so many cool things here and we're in alignment and I know you're going to have more stuff in the future. I can mm. already imagine how this is going to evolve yeah, with this community. More locations and it's going to be good. Oh, I'm so excited for people to have access to this. It's yeah. going to be so good. Yeah. So it's, this is, this is definitely, um, it's de- definitely one of my dreams, but I'm glad you're doing it. And I know how hard it is and how much love and how much mm. passion you've poured into this so you are an official friend of the podcast and i thank you for being here well, thank you so much for having me i appreciate it thank you so much pam namaste. namaste this episode of the beautifully broken podcast was brought to you by our lovely sponsor amp coil guys a heartfelt thank you for tuning in if you enjoyed today's show if you found yourself moved and inspired I would ask that your next stop today is to drop a review on iTunes. Nothing helps a movement like sharing, downloading, and spreading this message. You can follow me on Freddy Set Go on all social platforms and throwing a screenshot and a favorite quote of your episode in your Insta story or on Facebook. That is the extra credit next level engagement I am manifesting. So like these little ripples in a pond, your action helps connect this inspired information with the people who need it most. Till next time. I'm your host, Freddie Kimmel. This is the Beautifully Broken Podcast. Namaste. Namaste.